And he left the next day, went to Colorado, and that was it. <laughs> Here you go, Ty. Good luck. And, and, and teach this guy how to do that. And teach this guy how to do that. One of the things is that the vision of the big organization has to include the visions of all the people within it. So we go into the house, we show them, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, can you see your roof is too far gone? We can't do a repair or... You're listening to the Roofing Success Podcast, a show created to inspire roofing contractors to achieve optimal success in their roofing businesses. I'm the host, Jim Aline, the co-author of the books, Internet Marketing for Roofing Contractors and The Best Known Roofer. I'm also the co-founder of Roofer Marketers, the leading digital marketing agency for the roofing industry. On each episode, I sit down with industry leaders to talk about their processes, the lessons they've learned, and how to find success in roofing. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Roofing Success Podcast. I'm excited today. We've, we, I got a friend on, right? Like a friend in the roofing industry. We've, we've known each other for years now. Uh, had had one of his uh, partners on at one point in time on the show, but today we have Ty Meredith. How's it going today, man? Good, dude. How you doing today? I am awesome. Yeah. I know you are reporting live from or recording live from an event for for Ugly Roof right now. Said so the mm-hmm. event's going awesome, man. You guys do a lot of things, but I, I wanted to you know to kind of start off with the conversation of, of how, you know, how this all came to be, right? How, you know, it started off as Meredith Home Improvements, you know, your father's company, right? Um, you know, tell the story. How did you get into roofing, Ty? So Uncle Mikey is, is who I bought this company off of. Okay. Uh, and uh, so in 2011, I was, uh, I was working for my buddy and I had a little franchise of his in Pittsburgh. We did basement waterproofing and finishing and didn't have a passion for it. Uh, you know, I was, I was making a living and it was a nice job and an opportunity. He moved me to Pittsburgh. I'm from Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, but I've moved around a little bit. I lived in Louisville, Kentucky. I lived in Cleveland for a long period of time and worked with my buddy Dan there. Uh, and then when I got back here, we just, I moved to Pittsburgh. We had our first baby, baby girl, uh, like, uh, three weeks later and just wasn't, I don't know. I just, my heart wasn't in the, the rejuvenation space. And then my uncle said mm-hmm. he was retiring and he was going to sell his company to a competitor. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's chat. Um, so in 2011, I bought the company off of him. It cost me 150 grand. And he had, he just had a phenomenal name and a reputation for a long period of time, but he was very small. He did about a half a million in revenue did some, did some roofing, did some windows, did some doors, did some siding, just a combination of things. Um, and then I was, he just, just started, knew nothing about roofing. He took me out one day and uh, measured a roof from the ground. We like, he pulled a tape from the ground, pulled a tape from the side and was like, that's how you do it. And I'm like, okay. And he left the next day, went to Colorado and that was it. So, uh, had to, uh <laughs> here you go, Ty. Good luck. <laughs> bring me into the fire, but it, you know, it worked out great. Uh, Obviously as you're, as you're building your company, you have some ups and downs and learning experiences and you do things wrong and yeah. you learn from, it, you move on. Uh, but it's been a great experience, uh, you know, 12 years in now, uh, with M8. Yeah. It was originally what? Meredith Home Improvements. And then about four years ago, we did a rebranding. Uh, just MHI roofing to make it, yeah. you know, make it better for everybody knew Meredith home improvements in Pittsburgh, but they didn't know us in our new markets that we were planning on moving into. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's kind what of was, the, what were some the, of those early days, right? Like you took the company over, was it, Hey, we're going to like, what was your vision at that time? Like, I'm going to make yeah. a living. I'm going to like, what was, what was it like? I'm going to be able to feed my family. What was the like, where were you in that? And what was yeah. it like, or, or was it, I'm going to take this thing to the moon and sell the private equity and do everything that's actually happened. <laughs> so, you know, so I guess you go back and forth in your head with that. Originally it was yeah. like a nice living with this. I knew he made a nice living at what he was doing just at, at, because he had no overhead and he was running the, the show. Um, our first year in business, we did 1.1 million and I hired my first, uh, my cousin to answer phones. She was part-time answering phones. Cause I, you know, the, the, the calls were coming in. That's, that's back when I won't name names, but a, uh, a particular, uh, marketing 
thing that I was doing was was really good. Uh, was actually me. working. Yeah, it was <laughs> when one of those big lead aggregators was actually yeah, working. No, yeah, just fell off a cliff. But um, you know, early on, I just wanted to steadily grow the business and have a nice business for my family. Uh, had, had no yeah. desire to to grow, like really, really get after it. And then, and then a few years into my career, I was like, made the decision that I do want to grow this thing, right? So we started, we started growing. We became the largest GAF. I'm sorry, not GAF. The largest um, James Hardy installer in Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, three years straight, and then that just became a nightmare for us. Uh, so at that point, I was we were doing about five million in revenue, and I was like, I'm making a nice money here. I have no overhead. And I'm just going to switch to roofing only. And this, I'm comfortable here. I'm making a good living. And then I met John Bros, and everything changed. So, yeah. uh, everything changes when you meet John Bros. <laughs> yeah. He talked me into taking it, you know, taking it further. And uh, and and here we are. You know, we have a nice, yeah. nice little. Yeah. So, what were you like? You know, I think there's there's times in your in an entrepreneurial journey, right? Like there's always times where you're like, man, I could really make it. And there's other times where you're like, I don't know if I can do this another day. How how did you make that? Was it that you you started to see the success that led you that opened up your vision? What what was it that opened up your mind to taking it from that? I'm going to make a good living to I think we can actually do do something really big here. I think I think my best quality became hiring people that are more qualified than me in certain areas. Mm. You know, finding uh, sales guys that were really good. I I was decent. I was good at sales, but but you know, finding guys that I could rely on to sell for me, so I, I could take a step back, and then and then finding production managers that allowed me to breathe. You know, because they were up at six in the morning to, you know, doing that. And I could focus on growing the business and then ultimately finding John who, you know, changed everything from a systems and processes standpoint, finding people that were better than me in areas and being able to let go of the reins and then let them, let them do their thing and be good at what they do. I think is what made us successful because you have to get out of your own way. You do have to get out of your own way, right? I I was at a conference in like 2004. It was a real estate conference. And Russell Simmons from Def Jam was one of the speakers. And I still remember this to this day. And like he said, someone asked him like, because it was like someone asked him like, how'd you make it or what? And he's like, I hired people smarter than me in everything that like in every role, like how did you that like sometimes it's on accident, right? Like you just go, man, well, but what do you think led to, to you finding those people, finding the right people for production, for sales? Like what, if you could look back and connect the dots now, what were some of those things like, Oh, I didn't even realize I I was doing this or, or I'm naturally good at this. So, so f- we hire people th- with the qualities we're looking for. Maybe they're not a rock star in sales or they're not a rock star in this, but they have the, they have the desire and they have the correct personality. Like we're sitting in this conference here for the last two days for our ugly roof company. And we have about 85 uh, people in there coming in to do our MHI sales training and ugly roof sales training. And to a person they're like, I don't know how you've created such a phenomenal culture. All of your employees are bought in. They have an ownership mentality. And I think it's just, you know, John and I talk about it all the time. We've set the tone for how how we're supposed to, I hate to say it, like act as humans and how you're supposed mm-hmm. to act with the homeowner and be kind. And, um, you know, we just had a huge company party <clears throat> and we had a big, big blowout party uh, on Friday this week. And the staff at the at the place said, "I've we've never had anybody in here that everybody acted in a dignified way. They were having fun, but there wasn't foul language. So, so I guess when I back that up, you set the tone, you set the precedent mm. um, for being professional and kind and generous to your people, and they just they want to work for you and they want to do 
they want to do better. Yeah, and that's I, a big thing. And you guys do have an amazing culture. It's crazy. Like, <clears throat> I want to go back to what you said, qualities and personality. So you're looking for, you know, what are there, are, are, have you, have you kind of developed different qualities and personality traits for different roles now as, as this thing has progressed? What are the qualities you look for and maybe personality traits in that production manager? So sales, man, you know, so like, let me give you an example for sales, like sales. It's, you don't always get humble people. There's a lot of arrogance in sales, <laughs> uh, but we, we have hired humble guys that are competitive, yeah. that are, that, yep. that love to play sports, that, that have that competitive edge, but they're, but they're humble. And then you can teach, you can teach everything else. You have the desire to win and you can be humble and get along. Like we have 13 sales reps. Now they all get along. We have, we use Slack. And they're they're joking with each other. They're ripping on each other, but all in a kind way. And then they're also building each other up. Like, oh, that's a phenomenal sale. Like they're all they're all yeah. on the same page. <clears throat> we have had over the years. There's been guys that didn't fit. I mean, we knew yeah. real quick that they didn't fit the culture, and they just worked themselves right out because you know they they weren't part of the team atmosphere that we were trying to create. Um, and then, you know, John, John does a nice job at hiring those tech savvy people that he knows he can work with yeah. and develop and, and use some of the systems and processes that we have. And then we just landed, I mean, obviously landing John for me was huge. And then since then landing, uh, a production manager, that's just absolutely, you know, we call him a savage. He's just a savage at getting things yeah. accomplished. And then we, we stole, a, a sales manager that is just a trainer and a teacher and a leader. So having the, the, the right guys and the right girls in the right positions has really helped us to have a successful, fun, fun company to work for. Let's, uh, let, let's talk about those positions. Like, uh, you know, taking over Uncle Mikey's business, small, low overhead, you know, type of business. If you like, again, connecting those dots, right? Like who... If you were to do it over again, what are the first roles you hire? What are what are those like key roles, and and why for you versus you know like because other some people might not need to hire the same roles as you. I don't know. It, yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. So, I mean, the key roles. I mean, if you're just starting off from scratch and it's you, obviously you yeah. need somebody. You need somebody in house to help you keep organized. Uh, you need that person helping to answer the phones, helping to keep jobs organized. Uh, like when you first start, you're doing, I'm, I was doing sales. I was doing production. I was answering the phone. Like you're doing it all. So that, that, that first key person was, was crucial. Um, and then finding a, a, once you get to a certain point, that production manager really takes, well, unless I guess it just depends on who you are. If you're production focused and that's what you're running the business from, then you can take on production. If you're sales focused, then you do sales and then you need to find a sales leader. I was more on the okay. sales side, so I found that production managers first that really took a lot of weight off of your back a, as you're growing. In your experience, it just comes to my mind, especially because you guys, you know, with all the ugly roof dealers, you guys are 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 working with a lot of roofing contractors across the country. Mm -hmm. Who do you think this is? And this could be our controversial question, right? Who do you think makes the uh, you know is it makes the better? roofing business owner, the, the, the sales oriented person or the production oriented person? Oh, that's a good question. Cause I've seen both. I have a buddy that has a, uh, an unbelievable business doing 30 million in revenue and he's production, production focused. Uh, and he's doing phenomenal obviously. And then I, and I have buddies that are sales focused. I have buddies that are marketing focused, you know, you know, Benny Fisher, yeah. he's marketing, 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 marketing. Uh, that's so right. you can be successful in all, and all of them, as long as you find the right person in the areas that, like I said, that you're not good at. And um, I wasn't as good at production. I, you know, I was decent, but finding that yeah. guy that can take that load off you. And then, you know, my real Achilles heel was, was the systems and processes, the techie side that you're good at. Mm. Uh, and John just thrives in that tech, that tech world and bringing in the correct CRM. I, you know, I was struggling with the CRMs that I had getting them set up properly. And he really yeah. took the bull by the horns on that. And that changed the whole, the whole section of our business. So what I hear, this is, this is what I think too, yeah. finding, 
it's self a little bit of self-awareness, right? Yes. Is what I like what I heard in that. Like it's self-aware. Know know yourself, right? Know thyself, right? And then and then and then and then fill the gaps of your in your where your weaknesses are with other people's strengths. Yeah, I think the in my opinion, the toughest it's tougher for the guy that what is a roofer, an actual putting the nails on the roof, putting shingles down roofer for that guy to start a business. If he doesn't have any kind of business acumen, because you're you're running a business and there's there's lots of numbers and spreadsheets and things that you have to to keep it, you know, keep in line. And uh, as you add those pieces, it might be tougher for that person uh, as opposed yeah. to a sales guy or, or you know, uh yeah. So, I mean, you need the, you need to, un, you need to know your numbers and, and in, uh, you know, that, th- that's, that's a big part of it. You got, so you got to about 5 million <clears throat> and then you shed some services. Is that where you're about the 5 million mark? Yep. What was the, So you said, you know what? We we're really good at roofing. Mm-hmm. We're going to just focus on roofing. You know, man, how was that decision? Like yeah. I know John, I, my, in my conversations with John, John, he probably you know put a little pressure on you in that in that regard. But you know, wait, you know, that's man, we're doing five million. You were the biggest James Hardy installer for a couple of years. Like you're doing a lot of siding to take that service offering and say no, we're not do to take that source of revenue mm-hmm. off the table. Mm-hmm. Like so we took that what, source of talk revenue. Talk me through that table. one. I hired a high dollar employee in, in John and then took yeah. that revenue off the table and we started <laughs> yeah. just, just, just roofing. So it was, uh, it was an interesting year. It was, it was a very interesting year. Um, but we, we were successful. Uh, so we did 5 million, you know, I don't know what that was, uh, six or six or so years ago. We, yeah. we removed about $2 million in James Hardy. And then the next year we did, we did the same amount. We, we were we were even at five million, so we added two million in, in roofing back to the the business, and then we grew from there. So I had a sales training. I hired a big uh, sales guru came in one year, and yep. we had a process. But then we tweaked that process. Then John came along, and we tweaked it a little bit more. And then Kevin came along, and now it we feel like it's it is a an elite sales process, and that's what we're training our guys in there today. Um, yeah, you know through that through that series through there and that's one of the things that i that i see in your guys's team man is that my goodness the detail and and i'm going to call it in the customer journey right Mm -hmm. the detail that has been implemented in the customer journey from the time they become aware of you to the time they make that phone call to the the handout the point you know the inspection from the salesperson to the the length of time that that salesperson has with that customer before it goes to another person like you guys have this like just uh you guys have have the systems in place <clears throat> one thing that has always been a challenge because I see it from the marketing side of things right one thing that I always see a challenge and see companies that, that they're like, we need leads, right? So we go in, they they go and invest in their marketing, but they don't get the results that they expect. And they don't get the results that they expect because the phone isn't answered properly, because the sales scripting isn't done well. Like their sales reps are not trained well. I don't know if you want to share where your closing rates got to, but like yeah. you guys are one of the high, like have probably the highest closing rate of any company that we work with. Like it's yeah. crazy. With the implement of, of, you know, roof rejuvenation into our process too. So that's yes. part of our process. So we don't, yep. we don't go out and advertise for roof rejuvenation. Uh, it's just part of our sales process when we're in the home and we do the in- proper inspection for the homeowner. We show the homeowner uh, their photos of their roof, and then we let them make the decision. Mr. Mrs. Jones, can you see that uh, your roof is too far gone? We really need to replace this. Because uh, we market, as you know, we, we go after repair leads, and we run those That's repair right. leads. So they're expecting us to sell them repair a lot of times. So we go into the house. We show them, Mr. Mrs. Jones, can you see your roof is too far gone? We can't do a repair. Or – Hey, you have some life here. We can we can do a small repair. We can rejuvenate your roof and add five years of life to it. So what that's done for our company, uh, we were at about in the mid thirties closing percentage across the board with our twelve guys. 
the last two years in a row, last year, uh, we in 2022, all 12 guys, we closed at 52%. And then this year, uh, just, just to close at 23, we closed at 49%. So we, we got on our sales manager for losing 3%. That's <laughs> <But> right. <laughs> um, still had a, yeah, a, a, but we grew, we grew 25% in, in revenue that year. Uh, and that, that includes all of our brand new salespeople. We had some new. I think guys that's there. a good that's a good lead into the conversation. When did when were you introduced to the idea of rejuvenation, and how did the how did Ugly Roof come to be and be a part of MHI or not a part of, but a division yes. of, or a you know a a, a, compo- a, a complementary uh, service offering to MHI? Yeah. So it was about five years ago. And we, we're just in the roofing space now, and we think to ourselves, all right, what can we add? What other you know things can we do on the roof? Like, how can we make more money and, and grow our business with roofing, just roofing services? And John said, hey, I had a cleaning business years ago. So we thought about a cleaning business, and it wasn't right for our market. And then we started doing research, and we did find a rejuvenation company out there that a lot of people know. It's more of a franchise model. And we looked into them. Wasn't right for us because we're a roofer. I didn't want to start a new company and have a new franchise separate from the roofing company. So it wasn't right for us. And then we just started digging in to find find products to see what was out there. And we met and partnered with a, uh, a company literally two hours from us that has, without a doubt, the best product in the industry. Uh, and we know that, like I can say that confidently because we've had all the products have been tested through you know your your big companies like PRI Labs and Intertech Labs, we've had shingle manufacturers test our product and other products. How our product rejuvenate really changes the game. But anyways, so we added that in, and originally we started we were going to start our own satellite offices of Ugly Roof, like just start our own uh, companies. So we started one in in Florida, and just wasn't right. Like it just. Nobody, nobody knew rejuvenation. Nobody understood rejuvenation. And then we decided it's doing so well in our roofing business that now we only go after roofing contractors mm. because it's an added service. It's, it's a product offering within their roofing business. And that is what makes it so unique. Like I said, we don't, I don't go on TV or go online advertising yeah. rejuvenation. It's just when we're in the house now, Mr. And Mrs. Jones, we have another option for you. You know, your roof replacement is 25000 but I can rejuvenate your roof and, re- and repair it, give you a five-year warranty for 5000 So now, yeah. uh, and that changed the game for us. That that changes it, right? Because it's, you know, I mean, uh, the you know, there's a lot of the, you know, selling in good, better, best, right? Like, you know, it kind of, it give, it it's it's that other option. And I, I, like every presentation I do, it's like I, I, I have this conversation right, all the time. No one wants to buy a roof. Nobody. I don't like they're like the amount of people that want to buy a roof is like it is a, a necessary purchase that you have to make. But it's not something that you're excited about. Right. So and 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 then on the other side of it, it's not something that people are saving up for. And and let let let's speak frankly, people in the United States don't save money anyway. So they right. you know, so the twenty five thousand dollar roof compared to the five thousand dollar rejuvenation and repair. Man, it, I, I like now now the dots start to connect on why you go from a 30% close rate to a 50% close rate, right? Like, now you become the authority, you become more yeah. ethical, as opposed to before your sales rep only has one option. He, he has to sell a one roof option. to make a to sell a you know, to make a living. He's got to sell a roof. So, so sometimes you're pushing for a roof, even though that homeowner might not need a roof. Mm. So now when we go in, Mr. Jones, you don't need a new roof replacement. We need to do a repair here. Your roof is on the edge, but I can extend this for five years. So I have a low price, high value option and a high price, high value option for you. And you pick whatever. And then to me, as the as the roofing contractor, you know, I don't care which one he sells because the profit margins on the rejuvenation are so high that you're you're, you're making money. So that's and now right. that's your customer for life. I take care of that customer now. He remembers MHI roofing. And then in three, four, five years, when he actually needs a roof, 
we're there to help uh, solve that problem for it. You know, and that's the long-term that vision, right? Like you, I, I think in business, we like we get so short-sighted on cash flow today that we miss out on that long-term vision a lot of times, right? But if you if you do say, look, I'll take this repair, add rejuvenation, and now this is my customer. Now I get to nurture them. They're in my database. They know who we are. They're they're part of our you know part of our ecosystem now. They're gonna they're gonna continue to know about who we are. We're gonna have touch points, and then you know when we're pushing up on that five years, boy, we need we just you know with the technology, it's like oh phone call triggered. You know like now we're now now yeah. we're doing that right. Like it's a um, yeah that's awesome. So. So, I mean, so you bought Meredith Home Improvements, doing all kinds of contracting work, thinking about just, man, I'm going to make a living. A point in time, it was like, all right, well, maybe this could be something. Brought on John. You guys, you know, said, you know, okay, how do we make this into something big? Okay, we have to shed this. We have to think about other sources of, of, of revenue that we can get from being up in this just on the roof, right? We don't, we're not looking at siding anymore for an additional source of revenue. How can we increase our revenue just on the roof? Ugly roof was formed. Yep. You realize that that is better suited in your roofing business as an add-on service to your roofing business than as an individual service offering, which I, I agree when you're, when you're, you know, a, a roofing sales rep trained well knows how to identify issues, not just spray goo, right? Like it, so, um, yeah, and if that's me there, I, right? Like, and, and then uh, you you said something interesting also is that when you're only selling roof replacements, you only have a roof le- replacement to generate revenue for yourself as a sales rep. I, I think that's that's true on the other end. If you're only selling rejuvenation. You only have that as your right, like you don't have the option. So you don't you're not giving the the homeowner all of their options. You're giving them the option that you have. Yeah. Right? Because you don't I love that. Spray a roof. You want to do the yep. necessary repairs and, and take make sure that, that roof is whole and then and then do your rejuvenation for it. You know, that's right. So that's most of the competition. They just go up and spray and spray what? They don't even know what they're spraying because they're not roofers. <laughs> Now we have a roofer that's on your roof that can really take care of you, and and you have all the options available. You know, it's yeah. nice and good for our guys. That's awesome. Now that now this thing, it's not five million anymore, right? <laughs> like the the pro the systems processes, the marketing, the sales strategies, the the additional service offerings, all of this thing. This thing is I would assume is. Did you ever imagine? Ty, like, is this like, were you back in 2011 when you bought the business? Could you even envision what this turn like has become? No, I thought just like anybody, I'm going to have a nice business till I'm 60, whatever. And, yeah. you know, my goal was to retire younger than that, was to retire yeah. in my early 50s and, and really, you know, get after it after uh, some things took place. But uh, never, never did I think that we would be where we're at today. Uh, with the yeah. way that the entire roofing industry is changing. Um, yeah. And, you know, grow, now growing the ugly roof side of the business has been fun. Uh, we, we're in 22 states. We have, uh, you know, over 45 dealers. And they come to these trainings, and they're just so pumped up when they leave. It's So it's exciting to build that side of it. And then the roofing side has gotten, you know, the regular business side has been so fun and successful that because of the way – the industry's changing. We, we have recently taken advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. So where did it, so from 5 million now, where, where'd you guys, where, where are you guys at or where'd you end 2023 around? Uh, just 16 million. 16. Okay. And then yeah. from there, like this, now you have a, in, in that process, in that growth process, you started to attract what a lot of companies are attracting and that's outreach from private equity. Right. Like yeah. people started saying, hey, wow, you guys are doing good over there. You guys are, you know, starting to hit that eight figure mark and you're, you know, top line and you get, you know, so 
uh, when did you guys start? When did when did you start get having those conversations uh, from with you know entertaining con- or getting outreach from private equity? And then when you know when did you start? You know what was the thought process when you when you guys first started getting that outreach? So outreach started probably two years ago. Everybody start you know messages in their inbox and getting phone calls. Yep. Uh, we started looking at it about a year ago. Um, and there's different options in, in the private equity world. Uh, there, there's new platforms, you know, there's new opportunities that come to the table and they're looking for a platform company to really take that company and expand and grow uh, throughout the country and you do bolt-ons. Uh, we did look at that at first, but from where I was at in life, uh, the uplift of that, you know, that, that's not what I was was interested in. Um, yep. John wasn't either. We did get we we actually signed an LOI about a year ago, and then literally within thirty days decided no, this isn't right for us, and we backed out of that and and re retold and refigured it out. And then about four months ago, um, we talked to a gentleman, and it was just right. We had talked to probably ten different options, and the options weren't right for us. We have built such a, a fun culture, and you know your friends and your family work for you. And I didn't want to be selling my business and then them selling it again in 24 months, 36 months, and then selling it again. Like, I didn't want my family and friends and in, in, in the culture that we built to be just constantly flipped. So it wasn't, it wasn't right for us. Uh, we backed off of those opportunities. We probably talked to, you know, 10 different companies looking for the right opportunity. And then the right opportunity just hit us, just, just came to us about four months ago. And uh, just made perfect sense for what we were looking for for our company, and we took advantage of it. So yeah, so yeah. So let's, uh, you know, I want to have this conversation for people for for contractors because first of all, like this wasn't this wasn't on the table for me. This hasn't been on uh, an option for a lot, right. you know, right for for a business right. owner, right? Especially again, like you you bought Uncle Mikey's business, right? You're like. You're going to make a living. And then all of a sudden you start hearing all this stuff about this private equity and all these different things that are going on. Let's talk about the different options that are out there because you guys went through a lot of them. So, and then, so the first thing was, I I guess the first thought, thought, I guess uh, I want to start with is what made you go, yeah, we got to explore this. Yeah. Just because we, we see the way that the industry is changing. Uh, it's going that way. The, these, these large companies now have better rebates, better buying power, better, better everything, shared services. Yeah. So uh, if, you're, if you're, I hate to say if you don't get on board, but it's going to be much more difficult for you if you don't get on board at some point. You know, I was talking to, we had an interview yesterday with Dimitri and, you know, that middle of the road guy, that guy that's doing five to eight million, uh, it's going to be, in my opinion, this is my opinion, tougher for that yeah. person that company than it is even for the, for three guys in a truck that can keep their prices mm-hmm. real low and real tight. That, that guy's going to still get his business and do a nice, you know, 40, 50, 60 roofs a year. The guy in the middle, it's going to be difficult for because you have overhead, you have expenses, your price needs to be here. Well, all of a sudden you got a, a monster that's at the same price as you or pretty close. It's going to be hard to sell against a sales organization and that mm-hmm. has, better buying power and better advertising and better. So we, we thought to ourselves, now's the time, you know, now's the time to do it. I am now focused uh, on, on two things. I'm focused on ugly roof now. And, uh, and I'm working for the company that bought me doing acquisitions. And now John is really taking over the COO role for MHI. Yeah. And he's the COO for the entire state of Florida for, for vertex. Yeah, that's awesome. So, now you had a couple of options on the table. There was the platform company. Let's speak to that option a little bit. And basically, like it's what a, you, yeah, yeah, it's a new fund that's looking to get in, get into the space, and they're looking for their first roofing company to really build around. And when you're doing that, you're basically teaching that fund all, everything that there is about roofing. Like you have to help yeah. them take that from ground zero to whatever they want to be three, four hundred million. So you have to help them them do that. So, um, that's a, that's a lot of work. It might be fun. You know, it might be fun yeah. for somebody. It might be a great opportunity for, 
for for a younger guy that really or a girl that wants to just get after it and grow. Uh, so it, it, it is a, a bit of a fun opportunity if you're that first person to, to yeah. grow that, but it's a big uplift, uh, big. So uplift. that to me sounds like a, like, uh, uh, like, to, like, uh, the most enticing one because it's, let's just know that there, there's a little bit of ego in, in roofing, in the roofing business, right? Like, yeah. and, and being that platform company may feed to the ego a little bit of like, wow, I'm going to be, we're going to be the first, like we've built this. Uh, and, and that may be right for someone who would that be right for? They have, to, so what a couple of things I heard is they have to be hungry. You have to be, will that, you, that, being the platform company, maybe would you say that requires the most work from the the owner? Hundred percent, hundred percent the most work. But you you have to be in a position where you're already a very strong, very solid company. You have to have yep. systems and processes and call centers and and everything like really dialed in. Like obviously you can make it better, but really dialed in to then take that platform and grow it and and, and teach this guy how to do that and teach this guy how to do that. Um, Got it. So you need to be, so it's not your five to $8 million company, obviously, Uh, you know, they're they're looking for a sizable company that they can take what they have and really grow it. So you have to, to be the platform company. If you want to end up there, if that's your path, you have to, you have to build the, you have to build the machine. Yes. Right. Then you're going to get the investment from private equity to fuel the machine, but you're still, you're still running and owning and like managing the machine, right? Like it's still your machine, your your machine with it. Right. Yeah. Um, and and then now the net kind of another option would be to just be your standard roll up that, Mm -hmm. that, and then, so you're not the platform you're rolling up into a, a, into a, 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 um, portfolio of companies, um, yep. what would be some of the advantages there? And you had mentioned there, you didn't want the turnover of the cut because those, the, in that strategy, the, 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 they're rolling up companies to combine the EBITDA, create efficiencies, grow EBITDA, and then, and then get a higher multiple as this thing turns over every, every, uh, X amount of time. Right. So what would be advantages in that one and, and disadvantages of that one? To me, it was just a disadvantage all, across the board um, to, to, because it's, they're consumed with EBITDA and bottom line because they're mm-hmm. looking to, to sell as quickly as possible. So for me, how do you, how do you continue to build your company, get your team mm-hmm. to, to buy in to building the company when there's, there's a future exit right around the corner? And, and how do you tell your team, hey, I'm selling today. And guess what? They're probably going to be selling in two to three years, too. Like keeping, you know, cust- employee retention. Uh, yep. It just for, for us, it, it might be great for others. For us, it just was not appealing at all. Um, I wanted to leave. If I was leaving, I wanted to make sure that my people were taken care of and they had a path yeah. uh, ahead of them. So, you know, it, you know, for the guy that's. Or, you know, it's 60 years old and he's like, I'm done. I got a nice little company. I'm making money, but I want out. You know, that 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 would be a good opportunity. Yep. And, uh, and because they may be able to to have a, 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 a in the additional roll ups, they can get additional, yes. um, you know, you know, money from from that. Yeah. So yeah. it's like your your retirement account kind of thing. Right. Yeah, and those I would say that are, another another advantage there may be de-risking, right? So if you're someone that you know you're the risk is is moving to the big company versus you. I've heard that from uh from some people that have gone in that direction. Yeah, so I guess the pro to both of those would be that you know you get you get paid for your business, yep, and then you can roll up you know a percentage of that number into the company, and then you're going to be selling within that 24 to 36 months, so you're going to get another piece of the pie. But generally, that that piece you know is anywhere from two to five times uh, whatever you yep. roll back. Uh, so that's that's a nice option for people that are that are kind of at the end of it all and just you know want a couple bites real quick. 
um, but I can explain explain ours too. And in in what yeah, and then that's what I wanted to that that's where I wanted to go with it. Okay, now Vertex is doing something different, so yeah. it or slightly different. Explain the structure and what it, what attracted you to the structure of uh, that that you got with Vertex. So it's kind of the best of of all the worlds. Um, you know, since I didn't want to be a platform, that was off the table. It was already set and and, yep. and ready to go. Um, the they never ever plan on selling. They want to be the biggest, baddest roofing company that there ever was. Uh, by tw- you know, we have we have goals to be at five billion by twenty thirty, and we want to grow and, and just create the biggest roofing company. So the difference is, as opposed to being consumed with EBITDA and bottom line for the first couple of years, they mm-hmm. they basically back up the truck. They're going to come into town and take MHI from sixteen million uh, to fifty million. And then our, our location in Florida, they're going to take that from the from the seven million to fifty million. They're going to grow it to the biggest, baddest company in the area. So what that meant right out of the gate for my people is the opportunities that they would have had maybe five to seven years from now if we built to that point. Now they're going to have that in two to three years. There's going to be opportunities instantly for growth and sales management and all different ma- management positions. Uh, so they have opportunities where with the other one you're kind of you're kind of in limbo because you're going to be selling in in 36 months so yeah. how do you how do you build properly um so yeah. that was exciting for us that the fact that we're going to grow this thing to exponential you know exponential growth in each of our markets and and they have opportunities now for management there's going to be but before we even close the deal we hired a new sales manager and a new general manager for the company um because they're just looking to grow so that was yeah. real exciting for us, um, the long-term path. But what's nice is within that, within that, hey, we're never going to sell, you have opportunities. If you roll back money in, you have opportunities to pull that money and, and get your wherever the multiplier is at the time. If it's if it's at a 3X and you're like, hey, I went out, I want to take my money, you pull your money, you're gone. If you want to wait till 5X, if you want to wait till 10X, whatever the number is, you can keep that money vested or pull it whenever you want, basically. Yeah, so it is a you do get a lot of advantages there. Yeah. I like the the advantage, of, like you know, of you're going to grow. It's not EBITDA focused, where where which becomes a challenge to run a business if you're really getting challenged from an EBITDA standpoint, especially in growth mode. Um, not that you can't do it, but it you know. So I guess it's finding the right thing for you, right? Like you just got to find what what fits your Right. What fits your culture? What fits your goals? Um, You know, you have to be okay with whatever happens up front. And, and, you know, the future is always, you know, at risk in any, in anything that you do. Right. right? Like there's, you know, from that, you know, I was having a, actually a conversation with a a gentleman right before this about selling his, his digital marketing agency. And we were just talking about that. Like, I think a good thing, and I heard this from another digital marketing agency owner out there. Um, we were talking one time, and when you're doing these things, it seems like one of the things is that the vision of the big organization has to include the visions of all the people within it, right? So it has to be big enough for the visions within it. And and, and so I what I'm seeing or what I'm hearing in, with Vertex is that the vision of Vertex is so big that that your your vision of of it fit like you see like you you guys fit in there well mm-hmm. and then you see the vision for your team and the advancement opportunities there so there's not just vision for for Ty's bank account there's vision for the team for the brand to continue yeah. for there's a lot of cool stuff going on. That, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so a lot of companies, you know, they have a lot of pride in their brand and they don't want yep. that to change. So it's your brand. We build yep. out your company in the areas. We, we might take uh, MHI and have some green fields in different areas and, and expand its footprint. Um, yep. You know, obviously that's, that, that's the best way to keep things uh, profitable. Obviously too, we have more buying power. We have yes. more rebates because we're now a large, you know, 300 and 300 and, uh, 
I think we're at 340 million or something like that right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'd like to be at 750 by the end of the year. So we're growing rapidly and we're finding the right key players. Like you said, we've unfortunately, I'm in the acquisitions side of this now. Yep. So I'm helping to find companies and we've, we've told some companies no, because they're just not the right fit. <clears throat> we're looking for the right fit. Uh, yeah. I know that there's there's um, private equity out there that are buying storm companies, but we're not one of them. We're retail yep. focused. Um, we do we do buy companies that are in storm areas that are basically storm catchers. Obviously, you know there's companies on the coast or in Texas yep. that they stay home and they just capture the storms that happen repeatedly. That's that's different than a storm chaser. Um, but we're a retail focused company. Uh, and we've had to tell some some companies no, unfortunately. What, so the 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 perfect company that you're looking for. I mean, describe that, and then I want to go and I want to talk mm-hmm. about that five to eight million dollar contractor a little bit and yeah. a, a little bit more on, on where they're at and what the you know what what someone might be able to do, right yeah. to get. To, to hit the radar to get the the right offer. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, typically speaking, we're looking for a company that's been in business, that has a good reputation, that has good reviews, that has a good culture, that we can take that, let's say that, you know, our, kind of our in- entry levels in that 10 million range uh, as far as revenue, but we can take that $10 million company and just explode them and next year yeah. make them 20 and next year make them 40 and just grow the, the brand that they've built in their community and just make it yeah, bigger yep. and better with shared. So when that happens, this is, and this kind of circles back to what, you know, where you feel like, where you see the risk in the market in that middle, middle of kind of middle of the road, right? Between that you're, you're big enough where you have overhead. You're not big enough to, to take advantage of the economies of scale, of the rebates, of the, uh, you know, of those types of things where you're, you know, you can, you can offset some of that overhead. Man, if you're sitting in that area, you know, what, what things, what things helped you go from, you know, from that mid million dollar marks, you know, that mid million area of let's say the five to eight mid to high millions into that eight figure company. Like what were the, what were the, the, the things like, man, this is what we did X, Y, and Z. And that led us to this. Sure. Um, the, I actually have a friend in the industry and you know, uh, that's working with these middle of the road companies to help get their get all their their finances in order uh, to get their books the way a private equity company wants to see them to help them grow with the proper CRMs, uh, ha- having systems in place, having a sales process um, that, that makes you more appealing. Um, you know, I hired, you know, in that a lot of guys in that five to eight million are on a cash basis. You know, a lot of these private equities like to see accrual. So yeah. kind of converting and getting getting your business into that side of things, so it's crystal clear Get for the public to look at it. So for everyone, that's just that's your your books, right? Your your accounting. There's cash accounting and accrual accounting. So one of the things that I like to talk about, or like that I like, is you have to speak the language, right? So if you're speaking one language and they're speaking another language, you're not gonna. It's gonna be hard to communicate. So I think what you're talking about is getting, getting your business put together in a way that if you are choosing to go this route, that, that is understandable from that, from the high finance guys, right? Like, and so you're speaking the right language that accrual accounting is, is there, is the language of finance. So having that in place on your books. So processes. That's a, that's right? an up, it's a, it's a change. We hired yeah. an outside CFO, a fractional CFO that changed the game for us. It, I mean, it took him, it took him six months to get things, you know, mm-hmm. converted and switched over properly. Uh, and I use him now to help other companies uh, do that. Yeah. But you have to, you have to have your books in order. Cause if you come in unorganized and not ready to come to the table, it's, it's not going to, the process is not going to go smoothly and it's probably not going to go well for you because you might think your EBITDA is here, but the reality is it's here. Um, so you need yeah. to make sure that you're, that you're in line. 
Yeah. You, you have to know, you have to know what, what it, like I said, the language. So if you know what they see, if you show them what they, that the, the same thing, you know, if you go, Hey, on a cash basis, we're here, but on an accrual basis, we're here. You will, you better know that they're not going to make an offer on a cash basis. That, that's just yes, not where, they, you know, they may, but it's just law. Yeah, they may, I guess. Yep. Yeah. But they yeah. may, but they understand Yeah, like a, a, a savvy investor will understand they'll have to adjust that offer, <laughs> right? Like yeah. to, uh, you know, no, be, I think yeah. the, the biggest thing with, with the cash is, is, you know, man, it, it, it's, it's all over the place because you're paying your, yeah. You're paying your suppliers, but you have money coming in, but it isn't in yet. You have all these different uh, factors that play into it, and it's not as accurate. It's just not as accurate, and it's gonna could leave money on the table for you if you don't have things as accurate as possible. And that was yeah. a big uplift for us. We did that, but started that in twenty two, and cleaned everything up, and we were ready to go for for when it. When yeah, it so do that. Get get get. If if you do want to go that route, clean it up beforehand. Another thing that I like to say is is if you. If you build your business to sell, you are building an actual business, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, a lot of times, you know, if it's you, if you're doing everything, then it's not a real business. You're self-employed, but let's be, let's have some self-awareness, right? You are self-employed if you are, if you do everything. So if you want to change from being self-employed to a business owner, that's when you're bringing on those team members to fill the gaps in your skill set that you talk about. You don't have those if you don't have those pieces in place, you're not appealing because right. you are the show, you know, and in that five, five million range, like you're still doing a lot of the show. Still doing a lot. So you need yeah. to, as you're growing, when you hire the production manager and the sales manager and the office manager and your, your GM and, you, That's right. and your accounting, you have to have those pieces so that when you walk away and go on vacation for two weeks, your business is, there's nothing, nothing happens. It's just running smooth. Yep. Uh, if you yep. can't, if you can't walk away for a couple of weeks from your business, then you're not ready. That's, that's it right there. Yeah. If you can't walk away, you're not ready, right? Yeah. You don't have a business. So, yeah. you know, I know a lot of people that listen to this show, they're really like, that's what they're focused on, man. Is like, is really like, how do we make this into something? How do we, how do we find success? How do we, how do we build something here? Um, what do you think the greatest insight is that you can share with our audience that, that's helped you guys get to where you're at. What helped helped you personally through your career? Uh, you know, from that initial you know acquisition of, of Uncle Mikey's company to 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 what it is today. What's the, what is the greatest insight around that? I I can I tell it to everybody all the time. I said it a little earlier in the interview. It's just hiring people that do whatever the position is better than you do. Uh, hiring people smarter than you. Uh, is, is what you have to do. And, and I've done that, uh, successfully hired just phenomenal people. And that's what I think has made us successful. And now, you know, there's all these growing phases. Now we're in a position where we're ready to explode because we have all those pieces in place and, uh, our numbers this year should be real fun, real fun. Awesome, man. This has been another episode of the roofing success podcast. If you would like to generate more revenue through your digital marketing efforts, please visit roofermarketers.com to get a copy of the book, The Best Known Roofer. Also, check the training section of the website for guides on everything from running effective pay-per-click ads to how to properly set up your Google My Business listing. Thanks for listening.